Hi everyone, this is your host, Isabella Long at Sydney Ann Street, and you're listening to Femme Force, the podcast celebrating female music creatives. Welcome to our second episode featuring our second guest, Michelle Barry. Please listen, subscribe, share, download, and follow the Femme Force podcast series on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can stay updated and follow FemForce on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at FemForcePod. Today, we will be joined by Michelle Barry, an experienced and successful Australian female music producer, sound engineer, and educator. She has worked in multiple studios across Sydney, London, and New York City, and has produced a plethora of artists and groups from jazz to rock genres. Michelle also founded the initiative Noisy Girls as a project to support and record music by female musicians, producers and engineers. Hello Michelle, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Isabella? Good, thank you. Firstly, please tell us about yourself and introduce your femme force as a female music creative. Well, I'm a sound engineer slash music producer, and I also teach these skills as well. Amazing. Can you describe the journey to your career today? So I started off in a studio called Paradise in Sydney. That was like over 25 years ago. So things were a little bit different then in the world of recording. From there, I got poached to another studio called Tracktown, which is actually the same building as that we're in now, which is now Church Street Studios. Mm. And then I went to the UK for a little while, worked in sort of some big analogue rooms and got a bit more experience of sort of different producers and I guess sessions with a bit bigger budget than I was used to working on here in Australia and then I came back for a while did some freelance stuff worked for a all-female hip-hop label wow for a little while so did, did some recordings for those guys just came to mind with the whole female thing and started teaching started to do a little bit more sort of production stuff as that I guess became a little bit easier to do Mm. by yourself. Then I went to New York for a few years which was probably about 10 years ago I came back and since then I've been producing and teaching and doing different engineering roles at various studios around Sydney and now I have my little mix room, which we're now at Church Street, yeah. as well as yeah, the other stuff I do. How would you describe your musical role and sound? I'm not too sure whether I have a sound, actually. But my role I would class as being, I guess, as an editor while I'm producing. Mm-hmm. So I see the role of a producer is to complement what the artist sort of wants or needs. So sometimes with me, that means that I get some session musicians in or something like that. And if I'm actually sort of 
producing somebody in the studio as in sort of listening to takes and stuff like that. Sometimes it's just, it's, you know, what, what not to play as much as what to play. So just putting that role and adding an, like an outside opinion to the, the overall project. Can you tell us about your audio training? I did a course at SAE when I was like 16, straight out of school. And then I worked in some other stuff for a little while and, well, actually I worked for an advertising recording studio for a while, which was a whole different sort of thing. And then I went to the film and television school and did a course there. So I guess that was my formal education. And then I started, I begged people for a job until they gave me a job at Paradise. So it was sort of before the, really the official sort of intern role was really sort of happening at that stage, but still sort of reasonably competitive as in that not like jobs got advertised and stuff like that. So you just sort of rang people up and they let me sit in on sessions and I make cups of tea and sit in the corner basically. Can you remember your first studio recording experience and what was it like? The first one I remember was actually when I was studying. So we were lucky enough to have the necks in, which I don't know whether you know about, but they were like an amazing, just sort of ambient, I want to say, trio. So they came in and we recorded them as one of our sort of class record bands. So that was pretty special. I think that's one of the really nice things about being recording is sometimes you get to see those performances. Apart from that and some sessions at Paradise with Wayne Connolly, who gave me my job there. I said I was sort of just asked to come in and just sort of sit in on sessions. Actually, it was really lucky because one of the sessions I sat in, some of the guys that were from the session that we recorded at college were in there. And I think that added to me the fact that I got a job because I actually felt quite comfortable there because I was just actually like, oh, I saw you last week. Hi, how are you going? Apart from like going into a completely new environment. Right. So. Those connections helped. Yeah. And were you assisting on those sessions? I guess when they officially sort of gave me a job, then Mm -hmm. I started assisting. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good place to start off. Mm. There was a real diversity of recordings that was happening. At that point of time, it, there was a big sort of like indie push in the music industry. Mm. So there was a lot of stuff that I liked musically being recorded there. And they also had a jazz label. So I had, there was some indie uh, okay. stuff and there was some jazz, which uh, both are very different, but both of which I sort of, I like as well. So, Did you have any mentors Who were they and how did they inspire you? What kind of lessons did you learn from them? I guess when I first started out, a few people would just explain to me what was happening, which Mm. wasn't really an ongoing mentoring role. I think that's one of the good things about being able to assist Mm. people is that you get to see what they do and also like from a production point of view, how Mm. they handle different personalities because that's as much about what's required in the studio as pushing the buttons and making it sound good. So they guided you at the start? Yeah. Kathy Norton, I assisted for her and she's now a friend. I've called her up a couple of times and asked for her opinion on things. Mm. I feel like starting off, there was a little bit more of a thing where you had to ask for opinions. So I just recalled, like it was one of the guys that I worked with, ringing them up and going, how do you record a so-and-so? Like it was like something that Mm. I had never recorded before when I first started and because couldn't like search it on the internet or anything like that. Like 
So all of those sort of skills were a little bit more sort of word of mouth. Yeah, needed that verbal transference. Yeah. There was definitely sort of the regular guys that came into the studio, which helped me out too. Can you tell us about your initiative, Noisy Girls? I have had more formal bit of education. I completed a master's. So when thinking about a topic for the master's, it made me really think about what I would like to change about the industry. So that brought up, I guess, inequity of males to females in the recording scene as a female. Mm -hmm. I definitely enjoy there being other women in that environment. It's not that I don't enjoy working with men it's just that it just makes a different sort of atmosphere if it's a little bit more balanced equal yeah that was the point that sort of propelled to start noisy girls which was a series of productions that were all women so Mm -hmm. all women musicians i produce these three hopefully there'll be some that maybe somebody else produces as well women, engineering, songwriting. I also feel like in particularly some musician roles, women are very underrepresented as well. For certain instruments? For certain instruments. There are more women musicians than there are women engineers. Yes. So I think like off the top of my head, it sort of seems to be about 30 to 35% Mm. women musicians. Women engineers, it's like 5%. 5%, yes. (laughs) And the amount of guitarists or the amount of drummers, mm. there's sort of like an assumption that if you're a female musician, you do such and such. So yeah. again, it's sort of, I guess, that assumption of what role you're going to play, mm-hmm. which right. I find really annoying. <laughs> and trying to break those boundaries yeah. and stereotypes for gender. So what are your future projects planned for Noisy Girls? Some more recording. I have been sort of investigating the grant path. I haven't really got anything sort of concrete to share at the moment, but I would like there to be some more recordings and also, I guess, get some more people involved in the promotions of it. So I guess I've been looking at some different ways to involve sort of partnerships because the initial master's project, I sort of did all of that stuff and I think it would be better for me to have some other people involved. Yeah, a team yeah. as an organisation. Yeah. Very cool. And how could we support Noisy Girls? Well, at the moment you could just go to the Facebook page and yes. like us and, of course, listen to some women artists as well. Yes. There's also a website with some of the interviews with the women there and, of course, the songs. Hopefully hopefully that's what people like at the end of the day anyway. Yes. There's a YouTube channel. So if they go to the site, which is noisygirls.net, they can yes. find links to all of that sort of stuff. Perfect. What's your experience working as an in-house studio producer and engineer versus a freelance independent producer and engineer? in your varied career path? I think in-house is really good for the diversity of experience that it can give you. So if you're an engineer and you've got like a soundtrack one day and you've got like a rock band the next day and and different sorts of projects can sort of up your skill at least to start off with the variation yeah the variation for work I mean there's also the security of having a job opposed from being freelance which has its pros and it depends on where you're at and what you Mm. want to do and all of that 
freelance is definitely more flexible. It's not as reliable, but you get to do some other things as well. And I guess I balance that out a little bit by the teaching that I've been doing for the last few years as well. So I know that I'm doing this a certain amount of days a week and the other days are a little bit more nebulous. This week I've done a little bit of mixing. I've got a live gig. I've been organising some stuff about some workshops I've been doing. So it sort of changes each week, which I sort of like because I get bored. (laughs) And so that experience adjusts to your lifestyle at particular stages? Yeah, I think so. And look, you know, that sort of stuff can change too. Mm. Like some of my colleagues have got sort of more family commitments. It's good for them to have more of a sort of in-house or regular sort of gig. So it depends what's really happening in your life too. I mean, if you can get something to start off with, I think it gives you a good base. Yeah. Do you think location impacts your career? What city you're engineering in? Yeah, it helps to be in a major city for something like sound engineering. It's a pretty specialised field and particularly in Australia we haven't got that many people. Like if you're in a regional town you're basically you know might be recording yourself and a couple of mates. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't really get that sort of experience there. I think that's the case with musicians as well. Most of them sort of end up in Sydney or Melbourne at least for part of their career. And I felt the pull to go to some bigger markets that, you know, that was one of the reasons that I decided to go overseas just to see what that was like. I mean, I think that was good experience for me to see some different sort of workflows and Mm. I love traveling anyway, so it wasn't that hard. Very interesting. Can you tell us about your experience as a female producer and engineer in the male dominated music industry? With the whole sort of project that I was doing, I have probably thought about this maybe a little bit too much, but I do think that women still get treated a little bit differently in these sort of situations. My own experience has been both good and bad. For instance, okay, we'll do one negative or a positive. There was a producer in London that just said he didn't want to work with me, like with no, nothing, and just worked with one of the other guys that was in-house. Said, I don't want to work with the girl. So flat out, you know, there's that. Very excluding. Yeah. On the other hand, I've had some guys that have really helped too. So for instance, Mm -hmm. the head engineer at that same studio who was sort of the guy that employed me was a lovely man, which was really supportive. I guess he almost could have gone in the mentor category. Yeah, he was really nice to me and understanding of of the situation. So I think there's some guys which will actually go out of the way to help you. I guess they're the two sort of extremes of of the situation. But at the moment, the people that I come across, I really haven't had that sort of situation for a while. It's a little bit different now. I'm a little bit older and a bit more experienced. I'm more sure of what I do, which I don't know how much that sort of impacts people's perception of me and maybe... With your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much they can get away with. Mm. I think the world's changed after the last 25 years too. So what was maybe a little bit more acceptable Mm -hmm. then, or at least in the confines of like my old man cave, which I was sort of entering, (laughs) (laughs) has changed. And most of the guys that I come across now aren't like that. Acceptance towards women increasing. Yeah, like even in the live stuff, when I've done some live recordings, all of the live sound guys have been great. So what audio approach techniques or equipment do you use the most in your music production and sound engineering that you'd like to share with us? 
approach is listen to the sound source and then I guess use something that complements it, which is based on my knowledge that I bring or what tools that I've got available, which Mm -hmm. are going to try and get the sound that the artist and I want to sort of create that sort of atmosphere. I have a couple of bits of equipment from living in the US that I bought back. So Mm. one's a Telefunken valve mic. She's the MK16, I think. So for anybody that might be listening that knows their microphones, it's sort of like a U67, which is a bit more expensive, but it's still in that category and it's got a nice sort of warm texture to it. I'm like, no one microphone is good for everything. It's still a really expensive mic, but it still might work for that singer. So mm-hmm. again, it's just really listening. I like to yeah. try out a few things, providing the session's got the time to yeah. do that, just to see what works in particular scenarios. Yeah. Okay. How has the development of music technology over the years influenced your production? A lot. <laughs> so, so I was saying that I sort of started when analog was still king. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any Pro Tools. There wasn't really any digital workstations. All there was was people would bring Cubase in the studio and they'd load it up on a floppy disk and a little bumblebee had started. <laughs> you'd, you'd wait for the whole thing to sort of boot up and then it could run a click track. So it like... <laughs> I guess the computer powers would be the main sort of thing. So what that means operationally is that the whole editing process is, it's become a process in itself within the recording. So, you know, it used to be record basics, record overdubs, mix it. Now it's record, edit a little bit. record some more, edit some more. Maybe do things like tuning and those sort of audio fix-ups. I personally don't like to do too much of that. I still would like to get it basically be the performance, but mm. it's it's nice to have the ability to, that bass note's just out a little bit. Yeah. Let's just put that little one in time. So While I don't like to go overboard, if you do hear something, and I try and put it like if you hear something, not you see something. So Mm. it's really tempting with workstations to see something because you can see the representation of the sound and go, oh, that looks out. But it's better to go, oh, that sounds out and then modify it from there. What's your craziest recording story? I'm not very rock and roll, Isabella, what can I say? Um, So we did discuss this before. The only thing that I could think of was a session in London where I was wondering why they were suddenly bringing up all of these boxes of tape to discover that it had really expensive French champagne in there, which was very nice. And then we drank some champagne. I think I had a glass. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) So why is music production so important to you? Well, I think music's important. I think music is important for people to express emotions, really, as a way to bond with each other. So the process of music production, I really like because it does add a layer of atmosphere and sort of tries and translates 
maybe not really so much the live, but it's a very different experience seeing an artist play live. Mm. An artist plays live and you sort of get the emotion and it's raw and it's everything attached to that experience. In the moment. In the moment. Where recording, it's sort of, it's like you almost need to create something fake for it to sound real. So it needs more work to sort of have the same impact. Yeah, okay. Michelle, could you please tell us about some top moments in your career? Top moments? I'll give you three. So when I worked in London, I got to work on a session with a singer called Carleen Anderson. She used to sing with the Brand New Heavies anyway. She's had an amazing voice and also it was the production team that worked on a whole lot of Paul Weller albums, which was exciting for me at the time, both because Mm -hmm. she was like a great singer and with them, I got to sort of see what they were doing as Mm -hmm. far as bringing a whole lot of fancy outboard gear in. And it was just a really nice session for me to see as an assistant. In that situation, it was the quality of the production Mm -hmm. as well. I did get some larger productions, which I didn't actually like as much. And in this case, it was a really, I guess, what I would class as a quality artist trying Mm -hmm. to transfer some stuff across. Oh, and that's right. The keyboard player was a guy that used to play in the jam, which I used to really like when I was a teenager. So it was one of those like Uh, teenage sort of like, oh, yeah. In New York, I got to work on some Broadway stuff, which honestly has never been my thing, but the experience was really nice. And I got to work in a place called Sea Sound for a couple of days, which has like an amazing collection of microphones and analog gear. So my highlights, I guess, are more for my own satisfaction than anything, I guess, outside people might consider as working with somebody famous. And in Sydney, I guess most recently, the production that I did with Bears With Guns was good. I sort of enjoyed stepping up to more of a producer's role. So more creative direction? Yeah. I guess to keep learning in the studio is really what keeps it fresh and interesting and all of that for me. So the technical side of things thing I've been doing it for quite a while I can do which is great but also sort of getting into the production side and dealing with all the lovely personalities involved is also always really interesting as well to try and get the best out of people and try and figure out sometimes what's going on in people's heads Mm. if they're not so good at expressing their ideas because I do think it's sort of some one of the reasons that Sometimes people go into music as they're not so good at expressing themselves in other ways. So trying to like communicate and tease out that information. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge of your career? The biggest challenge at the moment seems to be promoting. (laughs) So as a freelance person, finding time to promote myself. So thank you for inviting me here. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Yeah, I guess just getting out there to do that and finding the time and segment that as a sole trader type person. Mm -hmm. And lastly, if there's one piece of advice you would give to young female music producers and engineers like myself, what would it be? Just to get out there and network and talk to people, find your people, find the people that will support you because there will be some people there. And look, I think with the networking, sometimes you really just don't know how that's going to work out for you. 
how I ended up getting my sponsor in New York was so random. It was a guy, I was staying at a hostel. The guy at the hostel who I became friends with was interning for a filmmaker. The filmmaker had worked with a guitarist. The guitarist's partner owned a studio who I ended up working at sometimes. And he knew the place that he recommended the job that sponsored me. So I couldn't have picked that, like connection of people if I had a tried. Yeah. Yeah. So. You never know where you'll end up. Yeah. So how can we listen to your projects? I've got a few examples on my website, michellebarry.net. Also Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Mixed with Michelle. Yeah. And there's a few examples of my work there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Michelle, for joining us today and sharing your femme force. Very inspiring. And I've learned so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. A huge thank you again to Michelle for featuring in the second episode of Femme Force. Thanks for listening and joining us to celebrate our powerful Femme Force in music. Please comment and submit any topic requests, questions, or recommendations for interviewing guests. This is your host, Isabella Lung at Sydney and Street. See you in the next episode of Femme Force.